We all know that women shape the world. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. Eve, Ruth, Jezebel, Abigail, Priscilla, Rebecca, Esther, Mary, and the other Mary, and the other Mary. The Bible tells the stories of women who changed history. There are three who will shape the future. Here's Jim. We have one more session in this broad session to finish up our study of the book of Revelation. I want you to know Revelation well enough that when somebody asks you a question, you don't tremble in your boots. You say, well, let's look at it and figure it out. And if you have the rules of the game and you have the text of the book, the Spirit of God will lead you in that. And you'll be amazed at how you'll feel confirmed. You'll feel at peace in your own heart as you try to guide them. And if you're still stumped, then look around at some of these uh, gray-bearded, gray-headed, long-in-tooth folk who have spent their life walking with the Lord, and they'd be happy to uh, help you understand the book of the Revelation and resolve whatever question may have come up. In your Bibles, please turn to the book of the Revelation, chapter 12, verse 1. Tonight, I'd like us to meet three unusual women. It's interesting that the last half of the book of Revelation centers our attention, focuses our attention on three very special women. Women. They are females. They are women. And they have a major, major part to play in God's unfolding work of redemption. In chapter 12, verse 1, we meet the first of these three women. We read in chapter 12, verse 1, a great sign appeared in heaven. John is obviously the witness of this sign. There's a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in labor and agony to give birth. And we're introduced to a second bad guy. Another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. His tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to the earth, and the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she did give birth, he might devour her child. But she gave birth to a son, a male who is going to shepherd or to rule all nations with an iron scepter. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God to be fed there for 1260 days. The woman represents the nation and ministry of the work of the people of Israel. If you had to put a name on her, you would think of Mary. Through Mary, God the Son became flesh. And that's what's being depicted here. She is the instrument through whom God the Eternal One took on a human body and entered our world. He came into our world to provide a salvation for us. And he will ultimately, he is destined, he will ultimately rule the world. She flees into the wilderness where God has prepared a special place for her for 42 months. The adversary in all of this is the dragon, and you certainly don't need to be told who that represents. It rep represents the serpent, the one in the 
Garden of Eden, the one who tempted and the one who succeeded in trumping God's faith, the faith that Adam, our parents, and Eve had in God, he was able to trump that and, per and persuade them to act on their own independence, their own cognizance, to set aside God's word, to question God's character, and to act in defiance of God's law. You have a miniature here, just a miniature picture of God reaching from heaven to the earth using the seed of the woman. That's what's pictured here. Now, she flees into the wilderness for 42 months, and you can read at the end of chapter 12 that she flees there because this dragon, who was unsuccessful in destroying her son, the Savior, couldn't touch him because he ascended back up to the right hand of God the Father, so he's beyond Satan's power and reach. But when he is kicked out of heaven in the future during the second half of Daniel's 70th week prophecy, during that 42 months, the woman flees from Jerusalem and goes down to a place in the wilderness where she is protected, fed, cared for by God for that last 42 months. And you can read about that in the closing verses of chapter 12. Look at it quickly. Verse 17, the dragon was furious with the woman. He couldn't get to her. She is sealed off and safe from him, secure under the protection of God for that last three and a half years, that last 42 months. So the dragon was furious with the woman and left to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Who are her offspring? Those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony about Jesus. So her offspring are believers. They are people who through her human son, God the Son, find forgiveness, grace, mercy, and begin or become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this serpent, since he can't get at her, this, this body of people that she represents or from which she came, he then turns his ferocious attacks against believers on a global basis. And during the last 42 months, of that 70th week of Daniel, he seeks to persecute believers, and he does it with great success. But she's not alone in the world during that 42 months. There's another woman that's also loose in the world. Turn to chapter 17, please, and look at verse 1. Chapter 17 and verse 1. One of the seven angels who poured out the last seven bowls came and spoke to John. Come, I will show you the judgment of the notorious prostitute who sits on many waters. The kings of the earth committed sexual immorality with her, and those who live in the earth became drunk with the wine of her sexual immorality. The angel is going to take John for a personal, not interview, but a personal examination of the judgment of this great woman. Great, not in the sense of morality, not in the sense of truth, 
but great in the sense of significance and influence. She is a great, she represents a huge movement. When John arrives there, verse 3, John writes, He carried me away in the spirit to a desert. I saw a woman, a woman, sitting on a scarlet beast. We already know who that is. That was covered with blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman is dressed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She had a gold cup in her hand filled with everything vile and with the impurities of her prostitution. On her forehead, a, crypt, a cryptic name was written, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the vile things of the earth. Then I saw that the woman was drunk on the blood of the saints and on the blood of the witnesses to Jesus. We probably need to know nothing else about her. She represents all that is vile, all that is corrupt, all that is anti-God, all that has the sheen of religiosity, all that has all of the sparkle of popularity. She is the gal of the year. She is the woman of the world. And she is well paid for her services, and she is very popular in extending her services and her habits to others. And she feasts on the blood of the saints, the Christians, the believers. What she represents is the wife of the Antichrist. She represents pagan, false religion. She represents all of those religious systems which are not based upon the revelation of the true God and which do not center focus upon the one who came from God, whom we call Jesus. Their numbers are legion. And the services that she offers, we could say that the theology that she embraces, the things that she teaches, and the things that she represents, gives her a very prominent and powerful position in the world. So much so that when she is destroyed in the next chapter, chapter 18, John is given an orchestrated review of all of the things that she caused, all of the systems she supported, all of the ways she craftily wove her immorality, her godlessness, her humanity, her humanitarianism, all of those things that make up the systems of anti-God. She is destroyed in a fascinating way. Now when John sees her, he sees her in this vision as sitting upon, riding the back of this scarlet beast, this, this scarlet um, animal. And she's sitting there decked out and uh, queen of the world. John is told by the angel, starting in verse 7, exactly what she represents. There are three elements that you'll want to note. First is, she's riding upon a beast. And here's what the angel says. John, the beast, verse 8, that you saw was 
and is not and is about to come up from the abyss and go to destruction. Those who live on the earth whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast that was and is not and will be present again. She's riding upon a huge government system that Daniel saw way back 600, 500 BC. God revealed through Daniel that the Gentile world would move from the kingdom of Babylon to a second kingdom, a kingdom of Persia, from there a kingdom of Greece, from there a kingdom to Rome, and that kingdom of Rome would would proliferate into 10 regions or 10 different districts or 10 different subdivisions. That's what Daniel saw, and all that is now history. Most of that had taken place by the time Jesus came into the world as a baby. That was the system of human Gentile government. And this woman is riding that system. That is, she's in bed with the political system. She's in bed with the powerful ones of the world. She supports them and encourages them, and there's a mutual destructive relationship between the two. John sees this woman riding this beast in the future. And when he, when he, when he sees her, he's astonished astonished at the lewdness and the crudeness of this woman and all that she represents. And he's to be, he is being reminded that she rides the current of the world's population or the world's political systems, all systems, all systems that shut out Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's who she represents. And she has a magnificent career, if you can call that magnificent. But look how she dies. Verse 11, the beast that was and is not is himself the eighth, yet is of the seventh and goes to destruction. The beast becomes an individual. Daniel saw that in chapter seven, when he saw a series of four animals come up. And the last one was a great bear. And that bear, like the ten toes on the image that Nebuchadnezzar saw, that bear had ten horns, ten kingdom ets, if you please, ten different centers of government. And God told Daniel that in the days of that future Roman expression, Roman Empire, in that future, that one of those ten horns would pluck out three of the rest. So that instead of having ten horns or ten kings, ten divisions of government, the number of divisions will be reduced to seven plus one. And the one who would pluck out the other three would grow in power and in dominion 
until he was the undisputed Lord of all ten of those government systems. And that's what we're going to read. The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom. But they will receive authority as kings with the beast. And the beast is the Antichrist. They will receive these ten horns represent ten kings who will receive a kingdom each. They will receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. Now watch. These have one purpose. They give their power and authority to the beast. That means they are his surrogates. That means they understand that they have a position, but they have no power. They're his proxies. They're ruling under his administration, and their one purpose is under the authority of the false prophet and under the power of Satan, the dragon himself, to make sure that this one person, the Antichrist, is, stays the focus of world worship and world government and world control. So he gives to these ten surrogate kingships, he gives to each of them, each of those ten horns or kings, they have one purpose, and their purpose is to give their power and authority to the beast. These, these ten regional kings, these will make war against the Lamb. That's talking about the Battle of Armageddon. The Lamb will conquer them because he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Those who are with the Lamb are called elect and faithful. He also said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute was seated are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The ten horns you saw and the beast will hate the prostitute. This ungodly system of worship and commerce and sensuality and power. They will hate this person, this system represented by the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked, devour her flesh, and burn her up with fire. For God hath put into their hearts to carry out his plan by having one purpose and to give their kingdom to the beast until God's words are accomplished. Fascinating. For years I was stumped with this chapter because I could not see how the details of this chapter that we've just read fit into the prophecies of Daniel 7 and Daniel 9 and even, even Daniel 2. The visions there. And then it dawned on me that that whole picture of, the, of the, the high image, remember, the head of gold all the way down, remember to the feet, remember that, chapter 2? And that the four beasts that come out of the waters as Daniel watches in chapter 7, that those are the founding demonstrations or pictures of God's plan for the Gentile peoples of the world all the, way, all the way up to and through the time of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. 
and that they would continue on as the system of what's called the domination of the Gentiles or the rule of the Gentiles. And they would continue in that way all the way down to a period of time when one of those ten regional Roman government protégés will take to himself authority and will pluck up three, and he'll take three of the ten that are existing, he'll pluck them up and make them all his. And then one by one, he'll add number four, number five, number six, number seven, number eight, number nine, number ten, and he will, the Antichrist will, through the authority of Satan and with the power of the false prophet, he will empower each of those ten regional governments, those ten local government systems, he will empower them by putting a king over them. So here's the picture. At the end of Daniel's 70th week, you got these ten provisional king-esques who are appointed by the Antichrist. They have one purpose, they have one plan, they don't own the kingdom, but they represent the kingdom as, the, as, as one-tenth of the rulership. They give all of their power and lead all of their people to worship the Antichrist. And on the back of this beast, on the back of this beast is this powerful religious system called the prostitute. She traces her origins all the way back to ancient Babylon. It's interesting that Babylon is the second most popular name of any city in the Bible. Jerusalem is first, Babylon is second, and there are reasons for that. Babylon was founded way back when the earth's crust was hardening after the flood, way back there thousands of years ago, not millions, but thousands of years ago. And it was set up and established in defiance of God. The people who settled and the king who established and his queen, Sumeritus, established a political system in a city that was based upon we will not obey God. To our society that's trying to erase women to the point where people don't know what a woman is anymore, God speaks through female symbols. As the Apostle John related his vision, these women personify the best and the worst of the fair sex. Jim calls them three women who shape the world. To get the message by that name on CD, please send a donation of $7 or more. And for a gift of $34 or more, you'll get our brief series of talks called With John on the Isle of Patmos. It's nine CDs total. Thanks to everyone who helped bring us the program today. You've parted with some of your resources to bless others with the truth. And that's a very precious commodity these days. Thank you for acting on your convictions. If you've been a listener for a while and you're ready to become a partner, you can donate on the website, rightstartradio.org. If you'd like to hear other sermons by Pastor Jim, you can listen from the site or download them for free. You can hear previous radio shows there, and we'll link you to the Right Start podcast. That's the current radio show released daily on iTunes. Please have a look, rightstartradio.org, rightstartradio.org, or call us at 
800-984-2313. During business hours in the Eastern U.S. time zone is best, 800-984-2313. Or mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. We won't fill your mailbox with junk if you correspond with us, we promise. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. The woman clothed with the sun, the woman riding a beast. We'll meet the third in this trio on tomorrow's broadcast. Please join us again for Tuesday's Right Start. Right Start.